The Secret Church podcast is a resource from Radical.net. For The Secret Church 10 study guide and other resources that go along with this audio, visit Radical.net slash SC10. This is Secret Church 10, Episode 7. We got a lot of ground to cover. We're going to fly through this, this sanctification. And, uh, and I know you're thinking, like, you say that, but then you get caught. And we start going slow, but we're going to try to fly through sanctification and end of this picture because I want to make sure to be able to give some time to solving the doctrine of election for us this evening. So, uh, all right, here we go. Now, what, what, make a transition, and it's really worked out well, like, these segments, because we, we saw, okay, what, what Christ did, cross, we saw how God awakens our heart, draws us to Himself, conversion. Then we've just looked at what, how God declares us right, justified, adopted, united with Christ. Now, now, all of that was point of salvation. What we're doing right now is transitioning from point to process of salvation. And that's key. Point, you have been saved. Then this is where Scripture starts talking about how you are being saved, working out your salvation. Now that's, that's after the point. And so that, that's where we're at right now when it comes to sanctification. Sanctification is the process by which God transforms our lives into the image of Christ. I want to make sure to, to make this distinction between point and process. Because this is where, as we talked about Reformation, uh, this is a big dividing line and needs to be understood. Process, not point. Process, sanctification. Justification is an instantaneous event. Sanctification is a gradual process. We are being saved. Being sanctified. Justification refers to how we stand before God. Sanctification refers to how we live before God. From our standing overflows then our life. Justification involves freedom from the penalty of sin, death. Sanctification involves freedom from the power of sin. And in a sense, presence of sin, ongoing. We're leaving sin behind in our lives in the process of sanctification. Justification knows no degrees. We talked about it. you're not more or less justified. Sanctification admits of degrees, meaning you are being sanctified more and more and more into the image of Christ. So it's key. This is a process by which God, again, God is doing this. Even sanctification. When we talk about holiness and our pursuit of holiness, this is still, don't miss it, it's all of grace. This is still the work of God. We're sanctified by God the Father. The God, may the God of peace sanctify you completely. He who calls you is faithful. He will do it. He's doing it. We're sanctified by God the Father in God the Son as we receive His grace. Christ loved the church, gave Himself up for her. That he might sanctify her as we receive His grace and as we behold His glory. Second th- th- Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 talks about as we behold the glory of Christ, as we behold Christ, we become like Christ. The more we look at Him, the more we become like Him. That's why 1 John 3 says what it does. We're sanctified by God the Father and God the Son through God the Spirit. Sanctification by the Spirit, belief in truth. Sanctification of the Spirit. So this is a process by which God, Father, Son, Spirit, transforms our lives. And this is a struggle. Struggle of sanctification. Meaning it's a battle between our old sinful desires and the Spirit of Christ in us. It's what we're after is the mortification of the flesh. The word in the New Testament is sarks, the flesh, our sinful nature. So we've been saved and clothed in the righteousness of Christ, but we still, while we're here on the earth, we still have sinful nature. We war with 
flesh. Vivification of the spirit, the pneuma. So we we want our, our, our lives to be conquered by the spirit of God more and more and more every day. Death to flesh, life to the spirit of Christ in us. And you've got scriptures there, Ephesians 4, Colossians 3, Romans 6, Romans 7. Schizophrenic Paul, schizophrenic Paul in Romans 7, all talking about this battle that we go through, transforming all these different areas. God transforms our minds, renewing of our mind, Romans 12, taking every thought captive to obedience to Christ, 2 Corinthians 10, increasing in the knowledge of God. He transforms our emotions, abstaining from passions of the flesh, which war against our soul, not loving the things of this world anymore, loving God. He transforms our wills as we work out our salvation. He works to will and to work for His good pleasure in us. He transforms our bodies, holiness in our bodies. He transforms our churches. Sanctification is a community project. Christ formed in you, Galatians 4.19, that's a plural you. We are together looking more and more like Christ, which is why we can't do sanctification on our own. We need one another in the church. And you look at the fruit of the Spirit, and you'll notice that the fruit of the Spirit builds community. All these things, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, they're all building community. Works of the flesh destroy community. Immorality, impurity, sensuality, sorcery, strife, enmity, jealousy. That destroys community. Flesh does. So sanctification process by which God, Father, Son, Spirit, sanct- transforming us into the image of Christ. And that's what... That's what it's all going toward. Romans 8 says, God works everything in your life. Not so it's rosy, not so it feels good. He works everything in your life so that you are more and more and more and more conformed into the image of Christ. That's what Romans 8, 28 and 29 is all about. The reality is, though, our sanctification will not be complete in this world. There's an ongoing battle. 1 John 1, 8 through 10 makes this clear. Romans 7 illustrates this. And you think, some people might think, well, if you're growing in your relationship with God, maybe you get to a point where you don't see sin in your life, some might say. Listen to John Murray. Indeed, the more sanctified the person is, the more conformed he is to the image of his Savior, the more he must recoil against every lack of conformity to the holiness of God. The deeper his apprehension of the majesty of God, the greater the intensity of his love to God, the more persistent his yearning for the attainment of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, the more conscious he will be of the gravity of the sin that remains, and the more poignant will be his detestation of it. Was this not the effect in all the people of God as they came into closer proximity for the revelation, to the revelation of God's holiness? The more and more we grow, the more we hate sin, the more we see sin and hate it, detest it. So our sanctification will not be complete in this world. Now, this is not an excuse for spiritual laziness. We don't say, okay, well, then I, I don't need to grow in Christ then. A Christian would never say that. Someone who has the Spirit of Christ in them not say, well, I don't want to grow in Christ. Not somebody justified by God adopted by God, who's seen the sin in their lives and turned from it, that would not be an excuse for spiritual laziness. This is an exhortation, a spiritual perseverance. We want to become more like Christ. And though our sanctification will not be complete in this world, our sanctification will be complete in the world to come. Everyone who hopes in Him purifies himself as He is pure. When He appears, we will be like Him. We will see Him as He is. Now, confusion over sanctification. A couple, from a couple of different angles. And this is where we're going to bring back in the works conversation. Works and salvation, how they relate to each other. Two dangers that I want us to remember. One we've already talked about, legalism. The effect of legalism is contamination. Paul says it works like yeast and dough. Just guard against legalism with everything you've got. You give in to legalism, working on your own power, 
according to your own rules, to earn God's favor, you lose the benefits of Christ. If you're working for God, then what do you need Christ for? You apparently can do it on your own. So Christ is of no value to you. We'll gain the burden of the law. This is things Paul says in Galatians especially. And we'll miss the grace of God. The end of legalism is condemnation. What can be more insane and wicked than to want to lose the grace and favor of God and to retain the law of Moses, whose retention makes it necessary for you to accumulate wrath and every other evil for yourself? Good point, Luther. So no legalism. On the other end, we have to be careful to avoid license, thinking that, okay, well, and I just disregard God's command. This is the blasphemous phrases like, well, I prayed a prayer and I'm saved by faith alone so I can do whatever I want. Grace, I'm free. Grace gives me freedom to do whatever I want. Well, let's, let's, let's follow this. Gospel truth is never intended only to be believed. Gospel truth is always intended to be obeyed. Let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel. Let it be clear in your life, Paul says, that you believe the gospel. Gospel truth is never intended only to be accepted in our heads. Gospel truth is always intended to be applied in our lives. Faith without works is not really faith. It's dead. So, we want to avoid legalism and license. Now, we'll dive into that deeper. Two definitions, specifically of the word work. So, here's the deal. I was in Western Europe, and some guys came up to me and said, uh, you want to go play some football? I said, yeah. I used to play, like, flag football. Uh, here's some. And so, I thought, yeah, let's go play. And so, I go down to the field, ready to play football. And then I get down there, and they got this white ball with, like, white and black ball with these two goals. And, like, where's the nice brown football? That's where I remember that what they call football, I call soccer. And so, same word, two different meanings, right? Football. I picture one thing, they picture another thing. Work. When we look at the word work in Scripture, we see it used in two different ways. On one hand, we see negative work. Work that is fueled by the flesh to earn favor before God. Legalistic work that we've obviously talked about is not good. Working to earn the favor of God. Positive work, though, is work that is fueled by faith to bring great glory to God. And this is how James uses the word work. Fifteen different times in the book of James we see work, and all the time it's positive. It's faith-fueling work. You look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, Paul uses it this way, that our God may make you worthy of His calling, may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by His power. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. So, work is not all bad. Work fueled by the flesh to earn favor before God, bad. Work fueled by faith brings great glory to God. Good work. So we want to work hard in this way and have nothing to do with work in this way. Does that make sense? Two definitions leading to two realities. Salvation is by faith. We've talked about this. By faith, we've been accepted before God the Father. This results in radical confidence before God. But then in sanctification, we realize faith works. We're not only accepted before God the Father, but by faith, we now walk with God as friends. And friends of Christ obey the commands of Christ. And our faith now results in radical obedience. Confidence, resting in the righteousness of Christ, obedience, following the commands of Christ. That's why I've got, I've got examples throughout here. Colossians 1, 1 through 4 talks about resting in Christ. And then Colossians 1, 5 through 10 talks about the work that follows from that. Same thing in 2 Peter 1, 3 through 4, and then 2 Peter 1, 5 through 7. Here, here's how this works, okay? Follow with me. In our work, we are, first of all, dependent on God's work in our lives. 
God's work. Follow me. This will get a little confusing, particularly at uh, 11 or midnight or whatever time it is for you. Our work is still ultimately fueled by God's work. When it's work that's fueled by faith, we're believing God or trusting God to give us what we need to work. Ultimately, we're not working for God. Ultimately, God is working for us. Philippians 2, 12-13. Not only is it my presence, but much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who what? Works. Work out your own salvation, for it's God who works in you, both to will and to work for His good pleasure. So God does this. God is molding our hearts. This is what he had promised in the New Testament. He'll live in us and he'll change our drive and our desires and our actions. He'll mold our hearts. He'll empower our lives. Look at 1 Corinthians 15, 10. This is a great example. Paul says, By the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. So here's Paul saying, I'm working hard out there with the gospel. I'm working hard. I get up in the morning and I say, God, I need your grace today. And all day long, I'm trusting in his grace. I'm leaning on his grace. I'm needing his grace as I'm working hard. I get to the end of a long day of hard work and I look back and I say, only the grace of God. Go to sleep, start over. It's grace-fueled work. Does that make sense? You look in Colossians 1, 27. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Listen to this. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. When we're working, it's God working for us on our behalf to enable us to to glorify him. So we're dependent on his work in our lives. And as we depend on him, we devote ourselves to God's will for our lives. And as He works in us, we follow Him and we obey Him. Whatever He says, we do it. Why? Because we trust Him. That's the whole point of Abraham. We trust Him wholeheartedly. And as a result, we follow Him sacrificially. That's why Abraham was willing to offer his son Isaac on an altar. Because he trusted God. And that's why when, when, when God calls us to radical obedience, we, we obey. Because we trust God. He is friend and father. We believe him and faith is fueling work. And now we realize license makes no sense because we're not free from Christ. We're free to Christ. Not free to do whatever we want. We're free to follow Christ. That's the beauty of the gospel. We're not free to flout God's commands. We're now free to follow God's commands. That's sanctification. Working hard, radical, holy, living for the glory of Christ that all springs from faith in the grace of Christ. Two conclusions. Don't miss, miss these. One, faith is the means of our justification. Keep coming back to that. We don't work for justification. We rest in Christ for our justification. And as we rest in His righteousness, that righteousness flows out in our lives and, and works are the evidence of our justification. That's what sanctification is. James 2, what it's talking about is how faith creates works. So, so you go, you go to a worship gathering in a church on a Sunday morning. If you're going there to earn acceptance before God in the flesh, thinking that in doing this you're getting credits before God, you're missing the point. But if you're going there because you believe God is holy and worthy of praise and His church is good and you need His church and you want to be with His church, you want to glorify, then this is really good work on Sunday morning. You sit down with the Word. 
Yes, should we read the board? Absolutely. Not, not thinking, ah, all right, I got to do it. Check this off. No, you sit down and read the word because you know this word is life and you believe it's good, that it's sweeter than honey, that it's more valuable than gold, than much pure gold, and it's worth your time to sit down and read this because you know that's faith-fueled work. That makes this a really, really good work to read the word. And so on and so on and so on. The reality is faith creates works and works complete faith. Obedience of faith, great phrase in Romans 1 and then Romans 16. God transforms our lives in sanctification. Thank you for listening. You can find more episodes from Secret Church and thousands of other free resources at Radical.net.